You're listening to audio from Christ Community Church in Fishers, Indiana. Our mission is to develop disciples of Jesus to impact the world. If you'd like to find out more information about us or donate to our ministry, please visit us at our website at cccfishers.org. Thanks for joining us. Howie Politics and State Affairs Pro offer insider election coverage, polling, and analysis in Indiana. Our nonpartisan news and legislative tools create a winning combination pro subscribers can't live without. For all the resources you need this election season and beyond, visit pro.stateaffairs.com slash in. That's pro.stateaffairs.com slash in. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake. A lot of other uh, translations will say the, the office of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The first time I preached, well, I'd say this, the first time I really interacted with this passage of scripture was when I was in seminary. Now, before then, I had read this passage, but I hadn't really dug into it and and dissected it in any meaningful way. And the first time in seminary that I dealt with this was actually in a preaching class. Uh, The professor used this as as a way to talk about our role as preachers. And for that, this is a great passage. 
just as the Spirit works in both Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch before uh, the belief of the Ethiopian eunuch, so the Spirit of God works in both the congregation and the pastor to begin to bring people to the gospel. Uh, Just as the Ethiopian eunuch asks, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me or unless someone guides me, so pastors and preachers act as guides, helping people make sense of the word of God. There's all these wonderful connections to the preaching life and to the life of preaching in this passage. And so it works really well to talk about it. Now, while I believe that's a completely appropriate way to use this passage... I think it watered down the passage. At least it did for me. I don't think it was the intent of the professor in any way to water down the passage. Instead, I think it it says something about me that I let it water down the passage. It's easy, and maybe you've had this, maybe it's easy that once you begin to wrap your mind around a passage or you've done some study on one, that you think, now I've got it. I understand it. I've worked it from different angles. For me, it was like, of course I understand this. I studied it in seminary. I got it. The problem is, no one is ever approaching the scriptures from the same place. We like to think that we approach scripture as sort of this blank slate or this completely objective individual. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are all coming to scripture from some place. And that some place is not neutral. And where we are coming to the scriptures from impacts what we see and hear in the text. So if you approach Acts chapter 8 and the story that we just read, as a seminary student, you're going to see what it means to be a teacher of the word and what it means to be open to the spirit of God. But if you approach it from a slightly different angle, maybe as someone who considers themselves not a seminary or a vocational pastor in ministry, but you approach it simply as someone who is a disciple of Jesus, maybe you find in Philip the challenge to be open to the Spirit's leading and an encouragement to know the Bible and to know the gospel so that at any point when you have an unexpected opportunity to share the gospel with someone, you are ready. Or maybe a very different angle. That you're coming to the story as a young black man who is wondering if Christianity has anything to do for them, anything to offer them, or if it's rather just the slaveholder's religion that was used to enslave their ancestors. Maybe then you read about this Ethiopian and you find hope because it becomes clear that Africans were welcomed into the family of God long before slavery was ever a thing. You see, we don't come to Scripture from a neutral position. We're always coming from somewhere, and that somewhere that we are coming to Scripture from is going to impact what we see and what we hear. Now, here's why I bring all of this up. As a church that is largely homogeneous ethnically and is in the middle of suburbia, in the middle of America, it's very easy for us to see this passage as simply an example of evangelism. And it is that. It is absolutely a story of evangelism. Um, But it's not just that. And I think we miss something if we focus on it. And that for most of us, that's maybe been the emphasis. I know that I read many sermons this week on this passage, and for most part, that's the emphasis, that it would look at the, the, the sermons would look at this passage, see evangelism, see the call to evangelism, and would talk about the principles of evangelism for our own lives. Again, 
great application of this passage. But as I dug into this passage and sat with it all week long, what I kept coming to was the scandal of this passage. We can miss the scandal of this if we don't stop and examine what's actually happening. Because what we see here is nothing less than the desire of God for all people. Philip is told to go south to the road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Luke tells us that this is a desert place. Likely it would have looked something like this. What we need to remember here is that Luke and and all of the gospel writers don't include details simply for details' sake. They're telling us this for a reason. So look at this place. What is it? Nothing. It is absolutely nothing. It's a place that is not a place. There's a road, but a road is not a destination. A road is where a journey happens. It's where there is movement from one place to another. And so this is a non-place, but it is also a necessary in-between space as migration and mobilization and movement happens. And so by its very nature, a road is unsettled. It's already, but not yet. We're on the way, but we're not there yet. One way to say it is to say that to be on the road is to journey from what you know and to cross the boundary to what you don't know. And this particular road is is not just any road. It's not a road in a city or around a city. This is a wilderness road. If you remember the wilderness, as we've talked about many times in the past, wilderness is a symbol of chaos. It's where one faces confusion and temptation. It's a place that one must experience and must go through in order to grow and experience change. Think of Jesus as he goes out in the wilderness to be tempted. And this happens prior to him beginning his earthly ministry. And so it is to this non-place, this road that is a place but not a place, this place that is unsettled and full of confusion that is necessary for change and growth, it is to this wilderness road that the Spirit of God leads Philip. And in calling Philip to this place, we get the sense that God is saying, get ready, because some things are about to change. Now, on the road, Philip meets an Ethiopian eunuch. I love the image here. You have to sort of imagine what's happened. Peter feels the call of God through the Spirit, heads out to this wilderness road that's running from Jerusalem to Gaza, gets out there and sees a chariot. Now, I'm guessing the chariot's not just standing still because there's nothing there, no reason for them to stand still, right? There's nothing there. So the chariot is moving along the road, and Philip then has to run to catch up to it. So you have this image of the chariot moving down the road and Philip, led by the Spirit of God, running after it, running up, catching up, and running alongside of it to see what it is that the Spirit wants him to see. And when he looks inside, he sees an Ethiopian eunuch. Like this picture, this image of Philip being led by the Spirit is like God is chasing after this particular Ethiopian eunuch on the road. I love that. God chasing him down. Now, 
Who is this guy in the chariot? First, we're told that he's Ethiopian. Now, Ethiopia and Ethiopians had a special place in the minds of the ancients. Within Greek uh, mythological geography, Ethiopia was considered the ends of the earth. And at this particular time, remember the Roman Empire is dominant. They are the most dominant force on the face of the earth. And so the world, like the Roman Empire, equals the world. And to travel to the ends of the Roman Empire is to travel to the ends of the world. And Ethiopia exists outside of the Roman Empire. It literally exists on the ends of the earth. So remember the call in Acts chapter 1 verses 8 to, that the, Jesus told the, uh, the disciples to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And now Philip is running alongside a chariot with a man from Ethiopia. Yeah. Not only is Ethiopia the ends of the earth in this exotic foreign land, but Ethiopians were this exotic people. One scholar said it like this. Blackness and the Ethiopians were, in many respects, synonymous. The Ethiopians' blackness became proverbial. Ethiopians were the yardstick by which antiquity measured colored people. Now, what we've got to do is we've got to take the last 400 years of Western history and we've got to set it aside and acknowledge that this isn't any prejudice about Ethiopians or black people. That's, there's no hierarchy based on race here in the ancient world. Instead, this is about, about a place and about a people that are exotic and foreign and altogether different from what is common and normal and known. Not only is the man in the chariot an Ethiopian, but he's also a eunuch. He's a man who has had <clears throat> his manhood removed. And doing so would have afforded him some privileges. He would have been allowed to serve the royal line, the queen, in a very uh, powerful role. He, the, he, was, he would be a man of influence and means, which is something that we can just see from the fact that he has a scroll. Scrolls were not cheap. Scrolls were not something that people just owned. This would have been extremely costly. And so this man has means, and he has authority, and he has power. But while he has all of that, he also doesn't really fit in society. There's no real place for him. He's looked down upon. He will have no legacy, no children, nothing to pass on. He is neither fully male and not fully female. He sits in this ambiguous middle. Esau McCulley says it in a way that I think drives the point home. He says this, The eunuch was not materially poor, but as one who had been castrated, he was in a socially ambiguous, he was in a socially ambiguous place because eunuchs were often despised. In a culture with strictly defined gender roles, he would be seen as aberrant. Which makes his trip to the temple in Jerusalem all the more interesting. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 23. This is verse 1. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. In other words, 
when this man got to the temple in Jerusalem, he was not allowed all the way into the temple. At best, he would have been allowed to go into the furthest out court, and that is all the further that he would have been allowed to go into worship. Likely, he would have known this. But obviously, this is a man who wanted to worship God so deeply that he went anyways. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah. Furthermore, not only could he have only not gone beyond the outermost courts of the temple, he never would have been accepted as a full convert into Judaism. He could worship God, he could study the scriptures, he could learn about God, but he would never fully belong. He would always be relegated to the margins. And again, he accepts this, and he goes anyway. And now this man who is ethnically other, gender ambiguous, and is on the road between the temple and home, finds himself being chased down by God in the person of Philip. If you aren't picking up on the scandal yet, (laughs) it gets better. Philip asks the Ethiopian eunuch if he understands the passage of Isaiah that he is reading. the, The eunuch says that he can't unless someone explains it to him. And so Philip jumps up into the chariot and begins to tell the eunuch about Jesus. Now Luke tells us another very interesting detail right here. Luke says that Philip began with that very passage of scripture that he was using. He began with that. So what's the implication? That he went to other passages of scripture. Now, where would those passages of scripture be? We don't know. But here's what we know. Scrolls were extremely expensive. Not, you wouldn't just own, like people just didn't own scrolls, and you wouldn't own a scroll of the entire Old Testament. I mean, scrolls even of the book of Isaiah, which is extremely long, could be 100 feet long. I mean, you just imagine, remember the days when you would have road maps and you'd open them up in the car and how big they would get? Imagine a 100-foot scroll in the back of a chariot trying to manage that thing, right? So it's very likely that Philip began with that passage of Scripture that, I, that the eunuch was reading, which was Isaiah chapter 53, and it was verses 7 and 8. If you were to go there, you could look and you could read. You'd see that it's almost word for word. It's a little bit different, particularly in verse 8, because Luke in Acts is quoting from the Greek translation of the Hebrew text, whereas our texts are drawn, when you go to Isaiah, it's drawn from the Hebrew text. So it's a little bit different, but if you were to go to the Greek, it's almost a word-for-word quote. Now, 
I'm not going to read Isaiah 53. But that's where he began. I don't know if this happened. But I imagine that, that Philip unrolled the scroll just a little bit. And he went right over to Isaiah chapter 56. And he read this, maybe, maybe, starting at verse 3. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to keep be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt Offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Might it be that Philip took the Ethiopian eunuch, a foreigner and a eunuch who was not allowed into the temple of God, who would have no legacy of children, that he took him to this passage. To these words that speak of a day in the future where both foreigners and eunuchs will come into the temple of God, will be able to sacrifice and worship and will do so with joy. This passage that says one day in the future the eunuchs will have a legacy better than sons and daughters. Could it be that Philip took him to this and said, This day that Isaiah spoke about has come because of Jesus. In Jesus, those who are at the ends of the earth are welcomed into the presence of God. In Jesus, those who look different are made to be family and familiar. In Jesus, those who don't fit neatly into the norms of society are given a place. In Jesus, those who are on the road stuck between a no man's land of what they know and what they don't know are given a place. In Jesus, the covenant of God extends beyond our boundaries and makes even those who exist on the other side of them, sons and daughters. All of this because of Christ. I don't know if it is that, but I want to believe it. And then it's no wonder then that in hearing this good news about Jesus, that the Ethiopian eunuch says, what then can stand in the way of me being baptized? I mean, maybe it's a question of, of legitimacy or, or, like, or, or, or practice of like, how do we do this? But maybe, maybe the Ethiopian fully grasped the radical inclusiveness of the gospel and was rhetorically claiming, what can stand in the way of me getting baptized? I mean, if God, if the God of the universe is willing to chase me down in my chariot and says that his eschaton, his promised day has come in Jesus and that that future reality 
reality that is promised is here and I now can be accepted. If this is all happening right now, what could ever stop me from getting baptized? When I, who have a mutilated body, can find salvation because God of the universe took on flesh, took on a body that was then mutilated, is there anything then that can stop me from belonging to him? No, absolutely not. Because God is doing what God does. God is redeeming and restoring all things and all people. God has set his face, set his mind and his intent on the salvation of people. And in his sovereignty, God will see it through. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what the Ethiopian eunuch came to understand. And so he rightly asks in a rhetorical question, what can stop me from being baptized? What can stop me from being a part of the family of God? Our God is a God who expands the boundaries of who is welcomed in so that those who once found themselves on the margins now find that the margins have moved and fully enveloped them into the kingdom of God. And so you... You who think you're on the margins or just out of reach of God's love. Let me assure you that you are not. Your, God's love for you goes even to where you are, to your wilderness road. You who think that you are too weird or too strange or too different or too outside the norm, let me assure you God's love is for all people. The scandal of this story proves it for us. This isn't just a story about evangelism, although it's that. It's not just a story about teaching the Bible, although it's that. This is the story of the radical love of God and the power of the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. And to save the people that seem foreign and exotic and strange and difficult to relate to. May we have eyes to see. May we have eyes to see and to wonder at this love of God, at the power of his gospel. Not just for the strange one out there, but for the strange one in here. That God's love comes to us. That Christ set his face to Jerusalem. Triumphantly entered the city on a donkey. So that In less than a week, he goes to the cross so that we might be saved. This is the radical love of God. This is our hope. What then could stop us from being saved? May this good news give you peace. Let's pray.
the radical, reckless love that you display sometimes sometimes frightening. We so quickly want to draw boundaries and determine where your love is going to go and how it's going to get there. But your love, your love is something that we could never plumb the depths of and never fully understand. And it begins with us, that you would love us sinners. And it extends out. And so may we, like Philip, be willing to be led to the wilderness road and to be astonished who it is that you are inviting into your kingdom. Who it is that you are removing all of the boundaries from so that they might be saved. We give you thanks that in Christ those days that are foretold of have come and all people are invited to come into the presence of God to be saved and to experience joy and to know That they have a legacy as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.